0: Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Thank you, Melissa and Jolene. This morning, we do recognize the historical significance of Memorial Day. We recognize that many of us have lost family members um, in, in the battle, in military battles. I have. Having said that, we also, and I appreciate the comment that we, we operate in our faith based on a greater gift given to us. We, we operate under the sense and the reality that a life was given for our benefit. And so today, what we want to do is to talk about our responsibilities to that gift. Right now we're in the uh, we're in a series, let me see, are you gonna start us? Do I start me? <laughs> oh, there we go. Good. We're in a series called One Body Many Parts. And uh, this is number seven. This is the final, uh, installment of that series. I'm going to say that today this is, m- might be the most important, not, not because of what, what that I'm here, but I just want to encourage you that this is a time where God really may speak to you in maybe a different way. And so I want to encourage you. Um, part one was Jesus's death and resurrection not only saved individual people from their sin, it also adopted them into the family of God. And that's really important for us to know that, right? That we aren't designed to walk out this Christianity, this religion, as it were, individually. In fact, religion would say you could do that. But what God installed was something to be corporate and to be in community. Number two, part two, was an isolated Christian cannot use their spiritual gifts. So join a disciple group. The, the comment was that God has put something in you to give back. We're all about how we respond to what God has done in our lives. So joining a disciple group, joining a group, a Bible study, uh, some sort of collective where you can practice out your Christianity is really huge. Another part of that was the Christian has no right to tell God. The church doesn't need me. So join a disciple group because that group needs you. One of the things that we recognize in our walk with God is that the giftedness that I have isn't really just meant to make me richer, fatter. Other things make me fatter. It's not designed to, to for my benefit only. It's really designed to be used and incorporated in other people's lives, as well as other people need to be need to know that they have a, a gift to me, like Melissa and Jolene sang today. I'm glad they're singing. I really am. They they did a beautiful job. I'm thankful for their giftedness. I'm thankful for their 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 spirit and their heart. I need that, and we need that today. We all have parts that we're meant to give and receive from others. Part three said, fighting sin with a friend is sharing your friend's burden, and Jesus is pleased when you do it. This is really important. This message changed me. It just, it it crushed me. Because one of the things that we know about sin, which isn't a very popular word, missing God's heart, is when I miss God's heart about my life, I tend to be ashamed and I tend to hide. The body of Christ is, 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 design, is designed to move me away from fear and guilt and shame. So all of a sudden when I'm fighting sin with a friend, when I confess my sins one to another and I have an accountability group, all of a sudden I, I'm not looking over my shoulder. So, and God knows that. This is how he has designed us part four, said that Christians submitting to each other is a necessary part of learning to be the body of Christ. The body of Christ is sort of a big picture item where the world sees something, right? Jesus actually said, if you really want to see how I operate, watch, watch my people treat each other, how they treat each other. He said, in fact, he said, if, if you want to, to, to be a disciple, you'll, you'll show that by loving each other. And part of submitting to each other really is the place of putting somebody ahead of myself. So what we've seen so far, and we'll, we'll go to the next part five. It says, part five said, "...love others is like a sledgehammer. It's hard, but it's not complex." Loving each other, and in fact, all of the things that we've talked about so far really talks about how I treat other people. It's really like, if God really grabbed a hold of my life, then how am I dealing with other people? And and I'm going to say it this way. The sledgehammer of love really deals with my selfishness. Selfishness is just me getting what I want when I want, right? I, I want everything now. Loving others is always... Putting myself or putting others ahead of me. I, I like to say it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, it, the first definition of love says that love is patient. And the truth is, I don't need patience if I'm first in line. <laughs> I only need patience when somebody's ahead of me. And so experiencing love truly isn't hard, it's hard, but it's not complex. It's putting other people ahead of myself right? And then part six said service is a mark of greatness in God's kingdom. So, so far what we've really talked about, if you want to squeeze it down, that Jesus said the, the law of God is really simple. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. Well, everything we've talked about really up till now is loving your neighbor as God wants you to love them. It's putting them ahead of yourself, Right? it's putting uh, it's it's practicing um, st- stepping away from selfishness okay so we are in part seven it says forgive one another so right now I I need you to take a breath forgiving one another may be the most important thing you hear today some of you right now are starting to sweat and maybe a little bit nervous. Maybe there's twitches and maybe there's this sense of guilt and shame. So I, I want to stop right now and pray for us because I believe that the Lord may set you free from some things that have been weighing on you, that maybe that they've put uh, undue pressure on you, um, that that isn't really what God intends. So I, I want to pray for us right now. So if you'll just open your heart as I pray for us. Heavenly Father, first of all, we're thankful that forgiveness isn't something we initiate. It's not something that we figure out. It's not something that we, if we, it, it's, we're not the source of forgiveness. Forgiveness has a real tough thing for us individually because it deals with disappointment and hurt and pain and suffering and, Uh, disillusionment and abandonment there's just so many reasons why we get hurt and forgiveness is is sometimes pushed on us like you've got to do it And, and it's so confusing and it's it's scary and many people want the love of God but forgiveness is something that stops them in their track so today, Father, I pray for me and I pray for all of us that are listening right now and will listen in the future that you, first of all, would set us free from every contraption about forgiveness that isn't of you. That you would open our hearts anew. That, that you would just place a softening agent, your Holy Spirit, a softening of hearts right now to and, and minds to receive a message of hope. I, I just thank you, in advance that you desire to walk us through areas of our life that we're not able to accomplish in and of ourselves. I come against every scheme of the enemy. I I just, right now, I break the power of of guilt and shame and fear because that's not of you. That's not of you, Jesus. So we break that power in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first of all, I just want to tell you something about forgiveness. And, and I don't usually say that the Pharisees are correct. <laughs> because a lot of times they were wrong. But I want to share a scripture. And this is just something the Lord gave me today. And if you'd like, it's it's not in one of the screens. So I'm going to read it. It's uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, 17, verse 17 through 21 if you're new with us and you don't know much about the Christian faith, Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke is is the third book in the New Testament and you can find it um, if you go to a Bible, there's an index, you can find the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a New Testament writer. He was a doctor. Um, he basically w- was writing a history of the Christian faith and he interviewed uh, many Christians about who Jesus was. So this is, Part of um, his account, and um, it, it, and so this is the story. It says one day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It, it seemed that these men showed up f- from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord was healing p- had and the Lord's healing power was strongly with. With Jesus. So here's sort of a good story. Jesus is teaching and religious leaders are sitting there listening. Sounds perfect. (laughs) It sounds good, right? That's where you should be if Jesus is teaching, sitting and listening. It sounds like a good part. Uh, Verse 18 says, Some men came carrying, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus. But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some of the tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, the faith of the men who lowered the man down, and maybe the faith of the man himself. It doesn't say, it could be a combination. Definitely the men who, who were doing the heavy lifting had faith that Jesus could heal their friend. Who was paralyzed. But they lowered this sick man down on on his mat, down into the crowd. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Wow. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. So, were the Pharisees right? They were responding exactly how they had been taught for 1,500 years. That forgiveness of sin is only something God can do. So the question is, is that true? And if that's true then why are there other places in the Scripture where Jesus tells us that we have to forgive? See, it's really a challenge. If God is the only one that that can forgive, then what business is it for me to have to forgive people? And where do I fit in this process? If forgiveness is a God characteristic, then what in the world am I doing having to try to do that? Or how do I accomplish a God thing? So, I just want to tell you that the conflict with forgiveness isn't something new, and sometimes it's been mishandled. Right? Um. <laughs> we we just were talking about the the memorial, about the the warrior, about the the men and women who who have sacrificed their life for our benefit. And I, I've never been in the military. My dad was in the military. Family members were. But I never was part of that. And, but what I understand is that warriors make hard decisions in hard times. There, there's, And I'm not saying that everybody that has been in the military has the same heart. I've known some people who have this intense desire and reality that, that they're, when they're called to sacrifice, they're willing to do that. I think that's incredible. And I want to encourage you today that being a warrior in God doesn't mean we muscle up. It doesn't mean that you have to be strong all the time. It just means that we make good decisions in tough times. So I just want to share some ideas of forgiveness. Uh, We talked about the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So I want to touch into the fact that there is a power in us that God has done, that God has given, that enables us... To forgive it isn't something that we learn in our head necessarily it's not something that we you know just if we're in the church long enough it becomes easy forgiveness is something that that is based on a transformation so um we're we're going to read a few scriptures actually a lot of scriptures but let's talk about some things here there's a facebook discussion question then if you're on facebook you can uh, Discuss this. It says, what are the biggest reasons it is hard to forgive? So you can answer that. Conrad is dutifully going to answer all your requests. So if you want to say hi to him, he's, he, he would enjoy that. So let, let's talk about what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not forgetting. One of the most distressing things I've seen in the church, I've heard it from, not I don't know if it's from a pulpit, I've definitely heard it from church members. Forgive and forget. You have to, you, you know, brother, sister, you just need to forgive and forget. Can I tell you that's religious garbage? It's based on the scripture that says that God takes our sin and removes it from the east is from the west. God is able to separate. And let go of sin. But I'm not. So here's the problem. If I don't forget that you've just hurt me, all of a sudden I feel guilty. All of a sudden I feel like I'm not good enough. And I get beat up spiritually. So I want to encourage you, church, members of the church, people in the the community, stop pushing that lie. I want to encourage you to forgive and remember. Remember. Forgiveness is something bigger than my feelings. <laughs> but forgiving and forgetting is just baloney. I'm trying to be kind here. Forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness isn't just going, "Oh, you've just uh, run over my foot, so now you I am good for sticking my foot out there again." Forgiveness isn't, you know, making pretending that what just happened didn't happen. Forgiveness is not good feelings about bad actions. If somebody's hurt you, it's not having this concept that, oh, all of a sudden everything you've done is okay. That isn't true. But but sometimes parents, sometimes church leaders, sort of teach it like, well, we just have to say it's okay. And I want to tell you it's not. That is not the truth. Forgiveness is not absence of anger at sin. Listen, there are certain things that have happened to you that were just wrong. And being angry at the sin isn't evil. We have to really be careful of separating the action from the person. And forgiveness is not the absence of serious consequences. Sometimes we think that if somebody sins in the church, oh, we got to forgive them, and then all of a sudden, all is good. Tink, you know, we're just, tink, all is good. And that's baloney. So I, I just want to be, i hopefully I'm not the first that has stated that to you. But I just want to tell you that we need to have a, a proper concept of what forgiveness is. Otherwise, we're going to be stewing in, in, in shame and guilt and frustration. Because all of a sudden, I have to feel good about you because you've just done something evil to me? See, all of a sudden, that conflict never goes away. And all of a sudden, that conflict turns into bitterness. And in that bitterness, you, whenever you hear forgiveness, you go, I, I'm going to close my ears to that. And I, again, I pray that that's not what you're doing right now. Forgiveness is so critical to our life. Forgiveness is... Is our entry point to our relationship with Jesus. It is how we, how we stay healthy. And unforgiveness is actually how we get sick. So forgiveness is a real, critical aspect. And I just want to make sure we get it right today. So the first thing that I want to do is, is uh, read a scripture. It's Luke. Chapter 17, verse 1 through 4. <clears throat> Forgiveness is a weapon against sin. And I'm going to read it. It says, um, One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. So it, he's saying tempting isn't sin, but tempting can lead to sin, right? Right? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer, your brother, sins, rebuke that person. And if there's repentance, forgive. If, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time returns and asks for, for, for forgiveness, you must forgive. So, back to my original point, Jesus is telling his disciples, You must forgive. And the Pharisees are saying, Wait a minute, forgiveness is a God thing. How can a God characteristic be something that a natural man has to accomplish? That's ludicrous, that's impossible. So, I want to share a story. Well, it didn't go. <laughs> we'll get there. I want to. Sh- I want to share a story about um, something that happened uh, years ago in 2006. Uh, there was a devastating tra- 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 tragedy uh, in Pennsylvania, where a 32-year-old man husband father of 3 was struggling with personal sin shame guilt and and the demons in him caused him to take over a an Amish one school one room schoolhouse this is a picture of that it's since been demolished but the man came in and basically because of his guilt and shame um caused the 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 young men all the adults to leave and he had like nine or ten young girls from six to 13 and he proceeded to shoot and kill five of them and wound the rest that's uh, you know back to the point of should you be anger angry at sin absolutely is that excusable no I mean I I don't want to imagine what the families had to go through but there's documentation on what they actually did this is oops this is an excerpt Amish community responds so this man came onto their their community he was actually a He was a delivery man. He delivered milk to their community. So he was somebody they actually knew. And he went into their community schoolhouse and did a a, a travesty. This is their response. On the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, we must not think evil of this man another amish father noted he has a mother and a wife and a soul and now he stand he's standing before a just god interject in the process he actually committed suicide he shot himself jack meyer a, a member of the brethren community living near the amish in lancaster county explained I don't think there's anybody here that wants to do anything but forgive. And not only reach out to those who have suffered a loss in that way, but to reach out to the family of the man who committed these acts. A Roberts family spokesman. Roberts was the guy who, who did the killing. A Roberts family spokesman spokesman said to the Amish, said an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family for hours. After the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited and comforted Robert's widow, parents, and parents in law. One Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms reportedly for as long as an hour to comfort him. An Amish, excuse me, the Amish have also set up a charitable fund for the family of the shooter. About 30 members of the Amish community attended Roberts funeral. and Marie Roberts, the Roberts, the widow of the killer, was one of the few outsiders invited to the funeral of one of the, of the victims. Marie Roberts wrote an open letter to her Amish neighbors thanking them for their forgiveness, grace, and mercy. She wrote, Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. Gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. The Amish do not normally accept charity. But because of the extreme nature of the tragedy, donations were accepted. Richie Lauer, a director of the Anabaptist Foundation, and said the Amish community, whose religious beliefs prohibit them from having health insurance, will likely use the donations to help pay for medical costs of the hospitalized children. Some of the comment commentators criticized the quick and complete forgiveness with which the Amish Responded, arguing that forgiveness is inappropriate when denying the existence of evil. While others were supportive, Donald Craybill and two other scholars of Amish life noted that letting go of grudges is a deeply rooted value in the Amish culture, which remembers forgiving martyrs, including Dirk Williams and Jesus himself. They explained that the Amish willingness, willingness to forgo vengeance does not undo a, the tragedy or pardon the wrong, but rather constitutes a first step toward a future that is more hopeful. So I read that, and some of you might be saying, well, man, I, I don't live there. I don't know if I could do that. I, I hope I never have to come close to anything close to that. And so I want, to, I want to speak a word of encouragement and a word of warning. The scripture tells us that God knows exactly what we can handle. And I believe that that community was positioned so that they were honest and natural with their response the warning is we could take a story like that and said oh that's how I'm supposed to be then when we don't naturally respond that way we feel guilty and shame and we feel condemned so i want to tell you first of all the response that the Amish did were was amazing and it and it did reflect the love of god for their lives it was a response it wasn't a religious exercise and so i want to encourage you two things. One, in your journey, forgiveness should and does change. Your understanding of forgiveness, your understanding of God's forgiveness for you will change as you grow. So to pretend that everybody should have that block response is foolishness. To, to believe that everybody should just be okay or seemingly okay is foolishness learning to love as Jesus loved, learning to forgive as Jesus forgave, that is a process. We call it sanctification. It's a process that changes us from the inside out. These Amish folks weren't practicing religion. They were responding the way that they had been loved to this man. So this story is meant to encourage not to put a... A boundary, like I have to respond this way. That is again that that may be a church thing. Please don't get trapped there. Right. The behavior of forgiveness is a marker of those who have been forgiven by God. Forgiveness isn't something I can do unless I've been forgiven by God. Why is that? Why do I need to be forgiven to forgive other people? And, and, and I'm, so I want to read the scripture, or at least one of them. This is Matthew 6:14 and 15. I might even, did I put it on here? I'm just going to go ahead. Nope. Oh yeah, okay. Jesus recorded this in a, the book of Matthew about it, Matthew, the book of Matthew was written 65 years uh, AD. And this is what he said, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. That's good. But then the next verse says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know if there's a more challenging set of verses. If I forgive, my heavenly Father will forgive me. If I refuse to forgive others, my Father will not forgive me. This is a lot more challenging than joining a a, a disciple group. It's a lot more challenging than even putting people ahead of myself in line. It's, It's more challenging than serving of any of the other components of this one body, many parts series, that is difficult. And it's difficult for a very specific reason. See, when I am asked to put somebody ahead of myself, I am dealing with my selfishness. I'm dealing with my, my humanity because I am a selfish person. I've shared this a lot of times. My elbows bend toward me. I'm all about feeding me. That is what I I, I was raised on. So for me to give is a challenge, but it's something that God changes in me. Forgiveness has a different component. Forgiveness has a different component. I mean, this, this statement from Jesus that says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven, that's, that's an eternal consequence. Right? It's eternal. And it's like, are you kidding me? Let me tell you why it is. Forgiveness has to do with who God is rather than who everyone else is. Forgiveness is really the acknowledgement that what God says goes. If you're new t- and you're you're kicking the tires of Christian the Christian faith, everything about Christianity that's real starts with the the premise that Jesus is God, and that God has complete authority and sovereignty over everything. And putting Him first. His will, his desires as a priority changes how we see things and how we respond. Here's the problem with forgiveness. If Jesus died in order to forgive people of their sin and I don't agree with that, my my problem isn't with that person anymore. <laughs> now, they hurt me. They may deserve my wrath and my... my my reaction, but when I refuse to forgive, all of a sudden I'm telling God he isn't God anymore. God has a problem and always has had a problem and always will have a problem with those whom he created believing that they are more powerful or more important. It's always been an issue. It's throughout the scripture. So when I refuse to forgive, it has nothing to do with the person who hurt me. It has to do with, I think I'm more powerful than God. God has a problem with that. Right? So all of the first six portions dealt with how I deal with other people. This one has to do directly with with how I view the Father, how I view the sovereign, right? So, but, but we're, I want to take us back. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that, well, God's the one that forgives. How in the world is He expecting me to act like Him to other people? That is not natural. In fact, it's hard. See, here's, and here's the problem too. I want forgiveness to be defined on something I can do. I want I want to be successful, you know, in this Christian church stuff. <laughs> I, I want to do it right, so I, I may take those scriptures and go. Well, wait a minute. How do I forgive people who have hurt me? Um, well, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll believe that I'm not worth anything. I'll, I'll think less of me. So uh, when they hurt me, I guess I deserve it. When they hurt me, I won't say anything. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll make it like. Um, I deserve it, and, and, and they're more powerful. It, all sorts of weird thinking happens there. And, and it's, again, guilt, shame, fear, all sorts of stuff happens. That is not the heart of God toward us. Forgiveness, and we're, we're going to see here in a little bit, we're, well, the next scripture actually hits it. So let's, let's talk about this. I, I want you to turn to Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. And, and I'm going to read it. Nope, we're not going to go there. I'll, I'll read it for us. Matthew eighteen twenty-one through 35 says this. Then Peter came to him, came to Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone, my brother who sinned against me? How often? And uh, seven times? Is that a good, beautiful number? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Which, which, what Jesus is saying, those numbers, not that they were fantastic in math, we could figure it out, 490. We, we could figure it out, but what which Jesus is saying is it's sp- supposed to be innumerable. It's supposed to be forever, Right? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him a million dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything they owned to pay the debt. They would work off the debt. A million dollars was going to last beyond their lifetime. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all back. Is that the truth? Do you think he could pay it back? No. but <laughs> So he's he's lying to the master, but anyway. Then the master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. What? But when the man left the king he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me. I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt would be fully paid. When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who, had, who, he, who he had forgiven. You evil servant! Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he would paid the entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's That's a very clear story about what forgiveness is. See, I don't forgive someone because I think they deserve forgiveness. That's not my job. I don't, I don't forgive people because I want to be nice to them, because it looks better. I want things to be calm. I don't want to fight to brew, right? Forgiveness is none of that. Forgiveness is rooted in the, in the response of God forgiving me. So remember I said earlier that forgiveness and the understanding of forgiveness is something that grows over time? When and as and, and, and the, as I understand the forgiveness of God for me, when I wake up in the morning and go, God, I can't believe you have set me free from the guilt, shame, responsibility, the effects of my sin. If I realize that, and as I realize that, I realize that he has forgiven me a million dollars. The design of that. The spiritual change in my life allows me to look at other people differently. Right? All of a sudden, I'm not forgiving because they deserve it. I'm forgiving because I've been forgiven so much. See, there's a spiritual change. It's not me being strong. It's not me being you're know, determined. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be strong or shouldn't be determined or shouldn't, shouldn't keep in mind certain things, but it is a an act of humility. I submit to the King of Kings. I recognize His sovereignty. He forgave me. And He has also forgiven that other person. So when I don't forgive, my conflict is twofold. One, I don't appreciate the love of the Father for me. And... I don't agree with His forgiving someone else. God has a problem with that, right? That's the issue. So I want to encourage us today, right? Forgiveness isn't something you just learn in Sunday school. It's not putting two fighting children in a big T-shirt so that they get along. It's not shaking hands. It's not pretending to kiss. It's not saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not saying any of that is evil. I'm saying forgiveness is really comes and only can come when I recognize how much God has forgiven me. Jesus reserved for himself the right to judge, right? So unforgiveness on our part is evil, right? Unforgiveness really sets me in opposition to Jesus, opposition to the Father who is forgiven. See, that's why it's so difficult it's it's hard, right? Because I wanna I, I wanna I think I deserve to get mad. I think I deserve to, to have revenge. I think I deserve to have my reputation you know brought back to to you know some sort of safe place. And Jesus said, Have I forgiven you? And if I've forgiven you, treat people like I've treated you. Right? unforgiveness is a satanic plan. What? So, well, I don't like that at all, right? So, 2 Corinthians, this is the time of the early church, and there was a man in the church that was caught in sin. In fact, he was proud about his sin, and the church corrected him. And part of the correction, just as a place of consequence and um, bringing him to the, the truth of what he had done, they set him aside. They, they actually separated him. They isolated him, like COVID. <laughs> they isolated him so that he would understand the value of being part of the fellowship. And Paul encouraged that. In the second letter, he's saying there's there's a time where we need to stop. There's a time where we need to restore. So this is what Paul... The writer of Second Corinthians said. He said, I'm not overstating it when I say that, that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you uh, more than he hurt me. Right? The guy hurt their fellowship. Most of you opposed him, and and that that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome with discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. Forgiveness or unforgiveness can actually tear somebody apart. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. So that Satan will not over or will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Unforgiveness sets people in a wrong place. He sets them in a place where they get discouraged, they, they get isolated they get um, all sorts of bad thoughts come into their head. and so... Forgiveness is a way that we keep the body of Christ healthy to forgive. Oh, I have to pause. So here's some ideas of some ideas of what forgiveness is. Please understand, don't take this these thoughts as if I follow their seven steps. <laughs> if I follow these seven steps and I think I've got forgiveness down. Again, forgiveness is God changing the way I am. It's a DNA change, right? So resist thoughts of revenge, Romans 12, 19. And I'm going to read these for us. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. I think that's pretty straightforward. Revenge is God's. That is not our business. When I take revenge, I'm, I'm actually telling God that I fit better in his chair. I think we need to stop that. Okay. Number two, treat other people, the other person, right. First Thessalonians 5.15 says this, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Listen, we need to be careful that we're not people that if something bad happens to us, we're, we're the first to respond because I deserve it. No, we need to recognize that God's love for us is, is our directive. Desire good for them. Luke six twenty eight says this. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. This is not natural. Right? You can read this and go, well, I, I don't want to do that. Can I tell you, go back to Matthew, Matthew 18 where it says, if I view things through the lens of God's love and forgiveness for me, then this is possible. If I, if I don't, if I don't see God's love and forgiveness for me, this is just phony, baloney religion. Right? It's hypocrisy at best. We desire to do good for others not because we want them to think we're nice people. That's baloney. We love them, we forgive them because God has forgiven us. Huh. There it is. Grieve at their calamities. See, this is this tells you this is nothing to do with something I generate. Grieve at their calamities. Proverbs 2417 says this. Don't rejoice when your enemy falls. (laughs) That is not what we live in. Don't rejoice when your enemy falls. Don't be happy when they stumble. Your enemy is an image of of the creator. They were formed in the image of God. How does God see them? Did Jesus not die for their sins too? Lord, help us see things from your perspective. Pray for them. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Yeah, that's not easy, is it? Right? It only happens when I realize how much God has healed and forgiven me. Seek reconciliation when possible. Romans 12.18 Do all that you can live in peace with everyone. If God has forgiven and healed me, then I'm looking to replicate that. Reconciliation is not something I like to do with people who have hurt me. But I recognize God has reconciled me. Jesus has reconciled me with the Father. He has made a way for me to have a relationship, not based on my strength, and so I can offer that to others. And number seven. Always be ready to help them. Exodus 23, 4 says this. If you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that is strayed away, take it back to the owner. Right? A lot of times we think, well, you know what? I don't like that person, so in fact, last night my neighbor left their water on. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm taking things out in the garbage, and I don't have the greatest relationship with my neighbor. Not horrible, but all of a sudden I have this choice. Do I knock on their door at 10 o'clock at night? And I said, yeah, because I know that there are people who love to conserve water, and they've forgotten. So at 10 o'clock, I knock on their door. And my neighbors, so thankful that I that I spent the time that I cared enough for them. See, that isn't me. Me, I'd go back in the house and, you know, m- me and mine. <laughs> Loving someone, forgiving someone. I I I, I want to I I want to use this analogy. This is a mallet. This is a mallet. Um, it's not a sledgehammer, but I'm re- using it for a representation of a sledgehammer. The sledgehammer of love and that Pastor Greg said earlier is that love is hard but it's not complex. Love, the love that God wants me to do crushes me <laughs> by putting somebody ahead. Um, forgiveness is sort of like this. This is called a chisel this chisel, with the use of a sledgehammer or a mallet, cuts into... (laughs) See, forgiveness isn't just, I think I'm just going to love everybody and be happy with everything that happens to me. Forgiveness actually cuts away at something really personal, that personal right that I deserve to have my say that I deserve to have my opinion, that I deserve to, to, to defend and be vengeful toward others. Forgiveness cuts that away. The love of Christ chisels my right to defend myself. Listen, nothing about what I said, what we've spoken about today is easy. And, and I want to tell you that in your journey, um, you might be saying, "Pastor, I, uh, nice word. I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll keep it uh, hidden." Um, this isn't an easy word. This is a word that most of us really need help navigating through. Right. So this is something that we we it's intimate and it's something that we need to pray with and encourage each other. Right. To the guests, thank you for sticking with me. It says Jesus has already done all the seven things for you, right? He's done those things. Will you make a decision today to receive God's forgiveness and be reconciled with Him? Why, that's a tough question. That question could be for those of you of faith already. Do you remember what God has done for you? And for thus for those of us Christians. Who've been around for a while. Who do you need to forgive today? Who are you who are you afraid of or who have you held things? Held on to things? This is can we be a warrior? Can we do tough things in tough times? Lord teach us to forgive, right? I think that might be the last one. So, I'm going to pray for us. Thank you for staying as long as you did, if you're still here. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we're thankful that that we don't come to you in, in our personal strength. If it was up to me to forgive someone in my, my natural being, I, I would, I don't think I could do it. I, I don't want my definition of forgiveness to be the standard. My forgiveness would be based on, well, I like you, therefore I forgive you, or you're nice to me, therefore I forgive I'll forgive you. I'll, I'll let it slide. I'll, I'll, I'll over I'll, I'll overlook it this one time. I'll forgive you if you if you show me you really mean it. I'll forgive you if you really really grovel enough. I will forgive you if you bleed for me somehow. Father, we're so thankful that you set in motion a sacrifice that that oversees all of that, that, that the memorial of your son set us free from guilt and sin, set us free from death, set us free from all the consequences the eternal consequences of our sin. And today, we ask that that you would let that be fresh and alive and active, that you would renew in us a sense of how much you've forgiven us. And in that, Lord, teach us, show us, give us courage spiritually to forgive others as you would want us to forgive, not the convenient stuff, let us forgive. Let us let go of the right to judge. Let us let go of the right to seek vengeance. I pray that you would bring complete healing and strength to your body, that we would be people that look toward that, loving and forgiving in the way that you desire. I ask, Father, that you would bless this family, that you would bless the Christian community in our nation. We just Pray that this message would be clear and that ears would hear it in the, in the way that it was given. We just thank you. And I just ask your, just your blessing upon your people in Jesus' name. We love you. We're so thankful that you've joined us. Have a blessed day.